0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host Brandon Adams. So we knew this would be true and it kind of turns out that it is true that along the way to getting ready for the early signing period which takes place next week and getting ready for the college football playoff which takes place the week after that we would also have a lot of transfer stuff kind of popping up. There is one Georgia player currently in the transfer portal that's Bill Norton and there are other transfer players that might be potentially a factor for the dogs actually moving on to the roster. We've Talk to you a little bit about Ra-Ra Thomas. That's the wide receiver uh, most recently of Mississippi State who's been in the transfer portal for a while. Took a visit to Athens this past weekend. It seems like there may be something going on with Ra-Ra potentially being a part of this Georgia roster. And we'll find out if and when that ever becomes official. We talked about Marshawn Lloyd a little bit. Uh, this is going back to the beginning of the week when Jeff Sintel had really good reporting. And unfortunately, it's not great news, but it was really good reporting uh, on five-star running back Justice Haynes. Haynes, who's been committed to Alabama, but there'd been these kind of rumblings and grumblings that maybe uh, Haynes might reconsider that. And there's some thought that Georgia might try to get, you know, in uh, on Haynes and get the flip from Alabama here. Well, ultimately, based on Jeff's reporting on that, and Jeff was, I think, first through the door on this and did a very good job with a very thorough interview with Haynes. Haynes made it pretty clear that he's kind of sticking with Alabama. It seems like that's done, that's final, that's the end on all of that. And yet, lo and behold, you start to say, well, what's next if you're not getting Justice Haynes? And you see a guy like Marshawn Lloyd, a great former running back recruit who's been a good player at South Carolina. And all of a sudden, now he's looking to leave the game, Cox. You'd love to say, well, if Georgia was interested in Lloyd before as a recruit, presumably they'd be interested in him again as a transfer, especially now that he's seasoned and experienced. He knows the grind of the SEC. He's proven himself to be a pretty good player. And yet on a better roster, running behind a better offensive line could even be better at Georgia. And so, all of a sudden, that's another transfer name you think that Georgia might be interested in. Well, let's add another name to this list because we use the same basic criteria here, right? It's like, obviously, there's a certain level of dots that can be connected where if you've got a need that Georgia has, probably wide receiver being one of those, and an SEC-level player who's had some success like Thomas, easy to kind of connect the dots and say, well, if Georgia needs a wide receiver, here's a guy that's had some success playing in the SEC, it stands to reason that georgia might like a guy like rah Ra thomas or if you say well you know georgia went after a big time running back didn't quite get him now they've got another big time running back and Rod robinson in the fold here and by the way robinson was just named as what uh, max preps which is a big high school website kind of covers the 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 scores and stats as it relates to high school football i think they named robinson as their california player of the year so georgia's got a big time running back commit in this class of 2023, but kind of missing on Justice Ainge. You're saying, well, what's next? Well, once again, easy to kind of connect the dots of here's an SEC running back like Lloyd that Georgia's pursued before. So therefore, makes some sense that Georgia might go after him. So let's keep that same line of thought going. If there's a certain common sense perspective of who Georgia might be interested in and who might not be interested in, Uh, A new name has kind of popped up here that's uh, worth considering. Let me show you this from Instagram, Dion Smoke Bowie. You'll remember him. He's from Bainbridge, Georgia. That's uh, Kirby Smart's hometown. Bowie uh, was a one-time Georgia commit then in a very kind of high-profile way ended up going to Texas A&M. <laughs> a lot of folks want to focus that that wouldn't last and here we are a year later and you got Bowie on uh, Instagram saying Aggie Nation I want to express my sincere appreciation for Texas A&M University Jimbo Fisher and everything else blah 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 blah. Uh, he says my recruitment is 100% open again though effective immediately I have entered the transfer portal. Probably not the most difficult prediction to ever uh, put out there and yet it indeed that has come true and so once again if it's sort of common sense to say well of course Georgia would be interested in a guy like Ra Thomas and if it's it's common sense to say of course Georgia might be interested in a running back like Marshawn Lloyd there's a certain degree here where you would almost say well it's just kind of common sense that if Georgia was pursuing Bowie before and if there were ties between Bowie and Georgia before that we're only about a year later it's not like those ties have just sort of completely dissolved now another guy that he's close to nick williams is now with Deion sanders in colorado so i'm not telling you it's obvious that Deion smoke buoy uh in line you know lands here at george and eventually transfers to uga i am just suggesting it as a possibility just given the fact that this was a guy that Georgia had one time recruited one time pursued it's another one of those transfer portal names where you don't have to be you know a football genius to say oh yeah these two you know Bowie and Georgia have shown up in the same Google searches a lot over the course of the last couple of years. And so maybe Georgia kind of getting back involved on this uh, might make some sense. Now, all of this kind of leads to yesterday when Georgia coach Kirby Smart was speaking for a few minutes and can, you know, uh, connection to the Peach Bowl, which extended its official offer to Georgia. It's kind of a PR type deal. Uh, But nonetheless, it was a good excuse for us to hear from uh, Georgia coach Kirby Smart. And Smart was asked directly about a topic that he's been asked about a few times. And in light of Bowie being in the portal, and Lloyd being the portal, and Ra Ra Thomas being in Athens taking a visit to Georgia. Exactly what is the perspective of Georgia on the transfer portal? What is Kirby Smart's vision of how the portal can be used for UGA? After all, Georgia got a lot of attention this past season. In fact, at times, Smart even waved the flag on this for the fact that Georgia wasn't a transfer team, did not have really an impact from a transfer portal player necessarily, in comparison to a lot of other teams, which were obviously in many ways driven by their transfer success that's not what georgia's story was was that by design well kirby smart talked more about that a little bit yesterday here's kirby
1: well we didn't make a decision not to go in we 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 called and recruited several guys um that fit our criteria number one need number two culture number three we knew something about them out of high school um they'd been on our campus um but we didn't get any of those guys so it wasn't a uh uh philosophy it was more of
0: that's the way it played out so i think that's really interesting and i think it speaks to something that we've talked about with kirby smart before which is that there is this perception sometimes and sometimes this perception even exists with inside the bubble of dog nation that smart somehow is so set in his ways that he's resistant to change That kirby smart can't get the picture and can't get the modern story and gosh how much last off season we have to hear about that from people who either were hysterical or people who are kind of like wanting to fan the flames of hysteria and there's obviously some of that that goes on too where it's ah kirby smart can't get with the picture on transfers ah kirby smart can't get with the picture on uh nil kirby smart's you know not not willing to change and therefore the sport's going to move in the wrong direction a move away from him And what we said on the show at the time was and i believe history has proven us to be right on this it's not that Kirby Smart was resistant to change. It's just simply true that Kirby Smart was slow to change. And I frankly think that's a hallmark of almost all successful people. Successful people people make up their mind quickly and then change their mind slowly. That's just what successful people do. Unsuccessful people do the opposite. And you can certainly see examples of that maybe from either famous people or people you know in your own life where that has kind of been true. In the case of Smart, yes, he has had to endure huge change coming to college football. Uh, the advent of NIL in a much larger way, the advent of the transfer portal in a much larger way. But breaking your neck as a way of embracing all that change as quickly as possible for the programs that have done that, that hasn't exactly proven to be the very best thing. And some of what we've kind of been led to believe might be going on, here we are another year later, and I kind of warned you this might be coming. Here we are another year later, you're left to wonder, well, how true is all of this really? I mean, how many times have you heard me say, over the course of the last year or so doing this show that some of the stuff that's out there with whether it be transfer portal or whether it be NIL as a way of inducing these transfers or NIL as a way of inducing high school football recruits, that some of this is just exaggerated. Some of this just sort of sounds good and nobody wants to get in the way of a good story. And so therefore, since it kind of benefits all parts of a story to kind of inflate some of the claims, flames, uh, the, the claims just get inflated more and more and more and more. Another guy that was kind of talking about that recently, you know who uh, Josh Pate is. He's a guy that does a show, I guess, kind of similar to this in, in some respects. And he was saying something recently, which we've said many times around here, which is that there is a little bit of uh, NIL stuff that's the other kind of hot topic to go along with the transfer portal. This just probably kind of incredibly inflated and some of the craziest wildest claims that you hear drake may turn down five million dollars or turn down ten million dollars turn down 100 million dollars whatever it is that the, the, the latest kind of claim of the moment is that some of that probably is just kind of inflated to the benefit of a good story uh he had kind of said something along those lines we've said that many times over the course of the last year and a couple of the recruits in question who you would sort of think would kind of benefit from some of this nil stuff Uh, we're pretty quick to echo some of this let me show you this from evan stewart evan stewart's a wide receiver that uh chose texas a and m actually this is brandon ennis we'll do brandon ennis first uh brandon ennis a wide receiver on his way to ohio state he's the kind of guy that you'd sort of think well if anybody's kind of cashing in in a big way on money you would think that ennis might be one of the ones doing that but when pate said what he said about the nil stuff being exaggerated ennis comes on twitter and says that he couldn't have said it better that some of y'all need to listen up for real basically echoing and you're gonna think Brandon Ennis is the kind of guy who would know uh, that some of this NIL stuff is really, truly being exaggerated. Evan Stewart, much the same way, because if there was anybody who was sort of thought to be a poster child for the NIL stuff in the class of 2022, it was a receiver like Stewart going to a place like Texas AM and uh he goes on twitter in response to what the other video host had said saying that uh this is the first time i've heard somebody explain it like this this is how i see it. he says the bag's not promised people also lie and one More, not everything you see is true so i hope all the decisions that recruits are making right now are truly well thought out between family and friends so in other words here's the guy who would sort of think is at the forefront of all this nil stuff saying actually yeah some of this stuff actually has turned out to be uh pretty inflated maybe pretty exaggerated And we don't know what's true we don't know if he, evan stewart's telling the truth right here." but we are led to believe that all of this kind of leads to a pretty crazy scenario that's out there right now where you've got high profile transfers you've got nil seemingly influencing some of this and you like you're left to wonder why what how true is it and how much of what we've heard you know kind of taken at face value should actually be taken that way well once again kirby smart kind of talked about that a little bit yesterday too on the role the nil plays whether it's getting a guy to come to Georgia getting a guy to come back to Georgia you know what exactly is the role of NIL in roster management here in December of 22 Kirby Smart talked about that yesterday too take a listen to this
1: NIL is not you know it may be dangled as a carrot at some places but really it's about do you want to be part of this team do you want to grow and get better Uh, Do you want a chance to do what Devontae Wyatt did? Do you want a chance to do what Chris Smith did? Do you want to have a chance to do what Jordan Davis did? Do you want to have a chance to do what Kawhi Walker did? So, like, there's great opportunities to move from a late-round draft pick with your grade to uh, an early-round draft pick. And um, that's not really what I'm concerned with right now. I'm, I'm concerned with making sure our football team is developing at all stages and phases
0: so after all the craziness and the hysteria of the last year and all the craziness and the hysteria at the forefront here of this kind of transfer portal age and uh early signing period that's about to take place and all, all the stuff that's been going on in college football some of it rumored some of it actual whatever else I then mean, kirby smart stance on all of this has remained very steadfast and very much unchanged that Georgia's gonna participate in NIL and they're gonna participate in transfer portal. They're gonna they're gonna to try to leverage the the modern mechanisms to their benefit, just like any other program would do. But Kirby Smart's also told you over and over again, even kind of told you that there right there a moment ago, that the that money's not the only currency that exists, that culture is also its own form of currency. And there's a certain thing where, hey, making sure, as Evan Stewart said a moment ago, that you make the right decision for you and your family that's beyond just whatever wild promise you get in NIL that kind of matters as well. And I think that Georgia has done a really good job demonstrating that's not just happy talk and that's just not empty promises, but that's real. That creating the kind of program where players enjoy being a part of and creating the kind of program where players can use it as a springboard to go on and make even more money in the NFL, which we've always kind of said was going to be Georgia's mission in this, that really has turned out to be Uh, kind of a winning formula for UGA it continues to win with high school recruits you were led to believe that it also might make Georgia an attractive destination for a handful of transfer players too that in other words it is obvious there are some things changing in college football you can't deny that NIL is a much bigger deal than it used to be didn't used to exist at all transfer portal stuff is also a much bigger deal now than it used to be and you've got to deal with that reality but even in the midst of all of that change there are some things that aren't changing that there are some ways to build a program that makes you a little more bulletproof against you know, whatever erosion may come from NIL or Transfer Portal or all the other stuff. That, that Georgia somehow seemingly figured out a way to navigate all of this. It is in a position to win a national championship here in 2022. And based on the way that Kirby's managing this program through NIL, through Transfer Portal and whatever change is coming next, I think it's also putting Georgia in a position to continue to compete for championships far beyond just this season my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans we are presented today by Meriwether and tharp and we are happy to have you with us as we go for two and 22 and have you join us on this show here today and of course that's true whether you watch us on video facebook youtube twitter twitch on the radio at noon on Athens Sports radio 960 the ref and we're available as a podcast wherever you find them including the world famous dog nation.com. just happy uh, that you are here uh, obviously, all, all kinds of fun ways to get the show. We're just glad to have you for it and glad to have our friends at Merriweather and Thart making it all possible. You know, they are your source for Georgia divorce. And listen, here's what we know. It's a great time of year for us. you got Christmas, which we love. You've got early signing period next week, which is kind of like a college football fans version of Christmas. Then you've got the college football playoff coming up after that. But here's the other thing that's just a stark reality for many of you. The holiday season does not bring a lot of happiness for you when you are maybe... I guess becoming more aware here at the end of the year that you're part of a marriage and a relationship that's just on its way to a conclusion. It's not maybe a happy ending for you either uh, that you've tried to save your marriage and it's just not going to happen. And I'm sorry about that. I really am. That's not a fun thing. And to have that going on right here around Christmas makes it even harder. I'm certainly sure. But as you look towards a new year and better opportunities and great you know things that you can have in your life you know in the new year and sort of the new future to come maybe it's time to have one of those free initial consultations with one of those Merriweather and Tharp attorneys about what your options are in all of this because the divorce process I'm sure can be a little scary and I'm sure it's confusing there are parts of this you're maybe not quite so sure exactly how does all that work and the honest truth is I'm not quite so sure I know either but the folks at Merriweather and Tharp do and that's why they want to talk to you about it and They'll allow you to decide for yourself, is divorce really the right option? In other words, they're not going to push you into anything because, you know, that's not good for anybody. They want you to hear the choices, hear the options, hear the avenues towards a happier tomorrow, and then make the right choice for you based on what you're told. So have that conversation. Reach out online. It's theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's theatlantadivorceteam.com. Merryweather and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. So make sure you check them out today. All right, we're going to get Terrence Edwards coming up here in a moment. And uh, we'll talk to Terrence about a lot of things. One of the things that's been kind of a hot topic, and we did this on the show yesterday, and boy, it seems like it's even built up even more since then, is what Todd McShay, we think unfairly, said about Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter. Now, if you missed this, We'll play you some of what uh, McShay said. We'll explain why Georgia fans are so upset by it, and we'll even share you a couple of examples of Georgia players being upset by this, too. So we'll do that before the show is done today. I think this is kind of important, and we'll do that. And then I'll even ask Terrence Edwards about this in a moment as well, because Terrence's point of view on stuff like this is really, really important. But before that, though, let's go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by Pro. Now, we just heard from some, some Kirby Smart yesterday on the subject of Transfer Portal, on the subject of NIL. These are big topics that are out there right now, and Uh, Georgia seemingly is kind of a big player in both these arenas. And Kirby somewhat kind of shared the uh, the viewpoint this program has on both those things. Then, but he also kind of talked about the more, I guess, tangible stuff involved in the preparations for the Peach Bowl too. And some of that for Georgia fans relates to injuries. You know, you saw Lad McConkey, one of your most important wide receivers, leave the SEC Championship. You saw Warren McClendon, one of your starters in the offensive line, do the same thing. You've got Marvin Jones Jr., and we know pass rush is going to be a very big deal for uh, for Georgia going up against C.J. Stroud in Ohio State. How about the injury situation? Kirby Smart addressing that. The first part of this clip is on McClendon and McConkie. Then you'll hear our Connor Riley kind of transitioning that to what about Marvin Jones Jr. And also there's a little bit on the one portal player Georgia currently has right now, Bill Norton. So let me kind of do all this together with you in one clip. It's McClendon McConkey first, then you transition to Marvin Jones Jr. and a little bit on Uh, any of your future transfer portal players that might pop up for Georgia this is Kirby Smart from yesterday
1: you know I don't know when exactly we'll get those guys back I don't know that they're 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 not practicing with us right now they're conditioning they're running they're moving around but they're not practicing just yet but we're still I guess 16 17 days out yeah in a similar vein an update on Marvin
0: Jones Jr. and Bill Norton is he practicing with the team or once you go in the portal you
1: I don't think there's a set standard on that, so that's not really important. We're worried about the guys that, that are getting ready to play. Um, Marvin Jones has been great. He's, he's run. He's conditioned. Uh, he's been doing a ton of uh, conditioning things with us on the side. Probably going to be able to start practicing with us here soon, if not today.
0: So there you go. I th- think you got good news there on Marvin Jones Jr., which you'll certainly take as good news. I think you need all the pass rush you can get for the game against Ohio State probably not as good news on McClendon and McConkie certainly not as good news on those two but as Kirby Smart said you're still a ways away from the real crunch time prior to this game Uh, but maybe you take something not quite so positive from the fact that McConkie and McClendon really aren't practicing yet something that Georgia has been doing they have been practicing uh, just McClendon and McConkie not able to do that with the team on a, as a full go right now. So maybe slightly concerning on that. And then on the subject of Bill Norton, the one Georgia player currently in the transfer portal, the non-answer that was probably pretty revealing from Smart saying that it's not really important whether players are practicing or not within the portal. And it's all you know not necessarily you know the same for each and every player. But I think the indication you got from Kirby on that is that Bill Norton is not currently with this team at least that's the read i get on that maybe maybe i'm reading too much into that but i believe that's kind of what smart was saying there so in the sec right now i believe you've got every other school but george with at least six players in the transfer portal so my one wish was hey as georgia makes its push towards a national championship can this kind of remain quiet we know there'll be georgia players leaving uh their players leaving every sec team right now georgia won't be immune to that but the fact that right now georgia just has the one public name while everybody else seems to have at least a half dozen if not many more than that Thus far, that has been pretty quiet and pretty distraction free for UGA. And frankly, I think that Georgia's own pursuit of its own transfer players, I hope that stays quiet too and kind of distraction free. I mean, obviously we're hypocritical here we don't like when georgia players leave but we do like it when georgia adds a really good player out of the portal but even that we hope kind of remains somewhat quiet just given the task at hand of trying to win the national championship then one more thing from a procedural standpoint as georgia gets ready to try to do that we know that buster faulkner who has been an analyst kind of a quality control analyst for georgia former offensive coordinator at southern miss been in kind of a support staff role here at georgia but he's also gotten a big job now he's going to be a power five (laughs) offensive corner even if it is at Georgia Tech it's still a power five job uh, he's on his way to Georgia Tech does that mean that he'll stay with Georgia for the college football playoff Kirby smart was asked that question yesterday here's the answer that he gave
1: we're going to determine that probably at a later date uh still in conversation with Buster and um and Brent it's not something that's pressing right now because he doesn't really get to do anything in practice so we're practicing right now he's he's a supplement uh, to ideas with, uh, with Coach Munkin, and he can certainly still do that um, from the position he's in, and um, we'll determine that at a later date.
0: So I'll be completely honest with you on this. There was a, a little bit of an off-air conversation that happened around here yesterday with – the chatter of the fact that i guess faulkner's been seen on social media kind of wearing some of the tech gear as he goes around recruiting which that's what you're going to do if you're going to be a coach at georgia tech you've got to wear that awful looking tech gear that's just kind of the way that it goes and some people were saying to me well if he's got that tech gear on he's got to go he can't be here for the college football playoff and maybe he won't be for the college football playoff i mean he's not even a coach here so you know maybe he will just go and, and just be an offensive coordinator, he'll just kinda of move on. I'm not saying it's the end of the world if he did do that. It's not a necessity to have him. It's kind of a luxury because it seems like Stetson Bennett kinda of likes having him around. And I have to confess here that if it does make Stetson a little happier on the sideline, even if he has been recruiting for Tack and if he spends most of the week wearing that ugly gold from Tack if Bennett wants him for a couple more games, I'd be fine with him still standing on the sideline. If that makes if that makes Step feel comfortable, then i'll take the, he can wear the buzz outfit on the sideline if he wants to uh if, if that makes uh if that makes uh t- stetson feel comfortable then then i'll let him stand there I'll, I'll swallow a little bit of pride on this and he can go on and do it at georgia tech whatever he's going to do but um but if stetson wants him and they can make this work out, i wouldn't have a problem with him being there if he leaves it's probably not the end of the world it's you know he's probably not the only guy that's could sort of act as that sort of intercessor between Stetson and uh, a Todd Munkin during game day but it's a little weird to have one of your analysts leaving to go to Georgia Tech for a pretty big job being offensive coordinator and there are probably some Georgia fans that are ready to kind of run him out of town because of that but I'll swallow my pride I'll let him hang around if he wants to or if Stetson wants him to but I guess it sort of remains to be seen that will be the case. Uh, maybe he won't be and that may be the last thing we hear from Kirby Smart on the uh, topic but nonetheless a little bit of an update on the staff relieving some injury situations that's kind of the behind the scenes procedural stuff going on as Georgia gets ready for Ohio State coming up on December 31st and that is also around the and it's presented today by our friends at SurfPro. and listen here's the thing SurfPro steps up for you when you have some very very tough situations going on you know it rained a bunch You know, sometimes when a bunch of water creeps in your house where it's not supposed to be makes a lot of damage, right? Uh, You know, water can be very, very damaging or fire. You have a kitchen fire, you have grease fire, you have something like that. Uh, That can be really damaging, too. And it's kind of scary. It's almost like you look around, you're like, gosh, how can my house ever be made right again? How can it ever feel like home again? Well, that's where our friends at ServPro step in because what they are are restoration specialists and they restore your house put it back together like it never even happened. They fix it to back like it was before. And that's a really important thing if you find yourself in the midst of something like that. So my invitation to you is to check out our friends at, at SurPro online, surpro.com. It's S-E-R-V, ServPro.com. Here's the other thing to know, that each and every uh, Surpro franchise is independently owned and operated. That means... When you do business with SurfPro, you're doing business with someone who's got a stake in the outcome. They want you to be happy because their livelihood depends on that. And that kind of matches your same mission on something like this, because obviously your livelihood, your happiness in your home or it's your business, your commercial property. Uh, once again, you know, so much of your future is kind of sort of built on having a comfortable place to either work or, or, or live and you want your mess cleaned up, fire, water, whatever it was. And surfpro wants the same kind of outcome. So find them online at surfpro.com for a lot more on that. Servpro.com. Uh, uh at the, for a lot more on that all right great to have you with us uh here today we appreciate sir pro bringing around the doghouse to us we'll get more into the jalen carter uh stuff we'll kind of follow up on what we talked about yesterday on that before we're all said and done including what a, a couple of georgia players have said about all of this but speaking of georgia players or in this case a great former georgia player let's get more into ohio state let's get more into everything else happening with these dogs right now it is the great great former georgia wide receiver terrence edwards here on dog nation daily presented by mary Weather and tharpe right now from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Good to get a chance to talk to Terrence Edwards. It's your first time in a couple of weeks for us to do that because I was out of town last week. And so that means, Terrence, I don't believe you and I have had much of a chance yet to chat about Georgia and the Peach Bowl against Ohio State. I guess I'm curious from you, especially with the standpoint that you're a former wide receiver, Ohio State, for such a long time with the great coach Brian Hartline has been kind of a wide receiver-driven program. What are your early thoughts on this matchup, Georgia and the Buckeyes, here coming up in Atlanta on December
2: 31st? Well, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a great matchup of, of strength. I think our defense is you know, well-known to be you know, one of the better defenses, but I think the, the point of contention is the secondary, what we've been able to do besides the Tennessee game against teams that's able to throw the football in. Uh, let's be frank. Ohio State does have a nice group of receivers, and they do present a challenge from the passing game standpoint. So that's going to be a unique matchup that I would be watching. Um, But I just think overall, especially their defense against our offense, I don't think they will have seen an offense that's going to run 12 personnel as much as we have. I think the closest team that really runs the style of offense that we run um, is the Michigan team. Uh, so I think that's where we're going to have advantage. But if I'm uh, a secondary uh, defender for the Georgia Board, oh, this is a challenge. This this is what I'm looking for. This is why you play big-time college football for these type of matchups.
0: Yeah, a couple things on that, and you kind of touched on this a moment ago. When Georgia played a high-powered passing attack in Tennessee, it completely shut it down. And I would say that Georgia in a game like that probably looked way different than it had at any point in time this season. And that was probably because – Georgia needed to do some things against Tennessee that it probably didn't need to do against anybody else. So I guess a couple of things here, Terrence. A, how well, uh, I guess, tested is Georgia for this kind of passing attack, knowing that most of the teams that it's faced this season aren't quite so potent? And what Georgia did for that one game when it really needed to against Tennessee, can it just flip the switch and do that again now that it's facing a team like Ohio State? Is it that simple? Well, it's
2: funny that we we have used this this phrase flip the switch a few times, yeah, and have questioned you know can they can they flip the switch and it was a flip the switch against LSU and uh, did we ever flip that switch and uh, but the LSU also gave us uh, some trouble with their passing game so that was probably kind of a, a, a kind of a, a pie in the sky type of game where uh, hey you know we have to tighten up we have to do some different things we have to play our best because we know the front seven and running the ball against us would be uh, very hard to do. And they, Ohio State does present a challenge running the ball. I think their best running back, I think Trayvon Henderson, is is a, a, a great football player. I think he's going to be out. So their biggest weapon is can we attack their secondary. If I'm a offensive play call for Ohio State, that's where I feel the weakness is in this Georgia defense. And, really going to have to be on their A game and uh, what makes a better secondary is getting pressure on the quarterback so I don't care what type of players you have in the secondary if you're getting pressure on them then you could be able to cover for a short period of time so it's contingent on how much pressure can we get and how well our secondary is going to play uh, against their receivers
0: yeah speaking of that I think you and I talked about this on the post game show after the SEC championship which is you know people see You know certain things sometimes for keely ringo or it seems like malachi stark has also kind of been in the spotlight a little bit too i would say that his pff grade does not seem to be all that favorable right now to the extent that people you know kind of look at that and take that seriously when you look at whether it be starks in coverage or when you look at ringo in coverage you know none of these guys are going to bat a thousand if you're going to line up and really cover a great wide receiver over and over again you're not, going to sing, you're not going to win every single one of those battles with teams throwing as much as they do right now. But beyond just that part of this, what do you see happening for the individual guys in the Georgia secondary? Whether it be Ringo who gets some attention, Starks who kind of gets some attention, the way in which corners and safeties are trying to work together in situations like this. As a guy who beat a lot of defensive backs over the course of your career, what do you see from these defensive backs here right now?
2: Well, one thing that I just want, just like you said, they're gonna make their plays. So let's not you know act like, you know, we're gonna shut them down. They're gonna score points. My thing is we gotta make them drive the field. We can't give up explosive plays. We can't allow them to score on three or four plays with a big eighty yard bomb. Like let's make them move the ball, make them get earn first downs. Let's not just give them explosive plays and so in the secondary you just gotta play your technique and and read your keys. Um, If you're a deep third defender, stay in your deep third. If you're a cover four, that means you're playing fourth on the field. Have disciplined eyes. Keep your eyes out of the backfield. Keep your eyes on your keys, and you'll be fine. Then just make tackles. They're going to complete passes. Let's just make them feel it every time that they catch the football. Let's put a hat on them and make them feel it because you're not going to slow them. You're not going to stop them. You just have to try to slow them down and limit their scoring opportunities.
0: Tell me what you see happening right now with the two big things that are obviously hot topics, transfer portal and NIL. And I'm asking you this from the standpoint of a guy who coached at the high school level, as a guy who mentors current college players, as a player that – and you've said this before – you'd love to have been able to utilize kind of the NIL age back in your career that seems to exist right now. Terrence, I think the thing that's frustrating for the average fan is is that there seems to be – especially when it relates to NIL – we hear about exaggerated claims we're left to conclude whether or not they're true i think it's also possibly true that nil is even more of a factor in you know certain situations we sort of never hear about that that trying to figure out what really is truly going on not an easy thing to do we're seeing a bunch of you know high profile recruits from a year ago kind of already put their name back in the transfer portal georgia may be a player in some of these uh recruiting battles right now for guys in the portal from your standpoint, watching this, knowing all the different connections you have to the sport, what do you see going on between transfer stuff, NIL right now? What's your overall lay of the land on that?
2: I'm going to take it a step back, and we talk about the college players and the NIL and the transfer sport But my main concern is the high school kids right mm-hmm. now. They're the ones that are, are getting left out in the cold, per se. Yes, your top guys are is not getting affected by the transfer portal or the NILs because college is going to seek uh, Justice Hayes or Caleb Downs. They're going to wait on those type of guys. But there are some guys that you know, normally would get these opportunities. Now opportunities not coming their way as frequently as it used to be. So there's a lot of kids that are getting affected. I mean, I, I, there's been several schools that came up publicly and said, we're going to take 26 transfers out of, in a, in a, in a, out of the portal. And and not taking in the high school kids. So, my main concern with this is the high school kids because that's who I'm around, that's who I help. And it's been tough trying to find landing spots for these kids because teams are going to take the the tier one player, then going into the portal to round out their. A roster and it's hurting the high school kids more than anything.
0: Terrence it scares me because I you know I don't spend as much time around the game as you do because you do it for a living but I do call these games on Friday and I speak to coaches all the time and I get to know my fair share of players too and this is one of those things Terrence where I think the average person has a misunderstanding of what recruiting is like you know there are some fans who see like the hat shows and the I'm announcing my ten finalists and I'm doing the whatever. And they sort of think of like recruiting as kind of this prima donna thing where there's a lot of attention-seeking behavior. But that's like one name out of a thousand. For the the other nine hundred and ninety-nine kids it's really about working hard just to get a college's attention and working hard to get that offer and i think you and i both could run over a list of like 10 names and my names maybe different than yours but we could run through so many names of gosh this player's really good and for whatever reason colleges haven't offered him yet the way that they probably should he's not getting the attention that he should you know get because he wants to go to college he wants to further his career that's really for the most part what the 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 sport is about at that level it's not about you know lavishing an attention or, or or you know reveling in attention It's about trying to get the attention that you need just to get the offer. That's what it's really about. And it scares me the degree to which that's not happening right now for a lot of these high school guys. That's really the lay of the land. And I worry about what the future looks like 10, 15 years from now, say if the incentive to come play high school football and do the best you can, stay focused in school, you know, keep your head screwed on straight because up the other side of that you get uh, a big opportunity to go play college football. If that opportunity is lessened over the course of the next decade or so, I have a little bit of a concern about what the, uh, I guess, the unintended consequence would be in terms of the impact on the way the high school game goes because I don't know that's going to be a great thing for the high school players if the promise of being able to play college football is lessened for them.
2: Yeah, like I said earlier, the top tier guys is is always going to be fine, but it's the tier two, th- tier three, tier four guys that still have the. Uh, aware of that they want to play college football. They want, they want to continue their education and athletics outside of high school. And a lot of the opportunities is just not coming for whatever reason. Because, of, you know, you think about it, Coach, and I understand it from a collegiate standpoint is I could get a guy that's already been in, into college and I could bring him in for two years or three years and instead of getting that 17-, 18-year-old kid, I need that spot now, and I get that part, but like you said, the unintended consequences is hurting high school athletes, and again, just like you said, will the, the kids that just love football will continue to play. Um, that's no doubt in my mind, because people just love the game. I think it's the best game in sports, but there will be some athletes that say, I'm going to go play lacrosse or something else, because... Scholarships are just not available yeah. for me. I'm not a tier one kid. So I'm going to go do something else to try to earn a scholarship. So uh, I don't like it right now. I wish and I hope in the near future that they do uh, kind of rectify this problem. I voice my opinion on it. Uh, I just wish in some form and grand scheme of things, if the head coach or the coordinators leave, a kid should be able to transfer. But if, that's not the case and you want to transfer, I just think it should go back to the old rule where you have to uh, sit out of here unless you're a grad transfer and you filled your obligations to that school academically, you could get one free pass. But I just think it's it's too easy. And I know everyone say, well, the coach can leave. I'm with you on that. If that coach leaves, every kid on that roster should maybe get one free pass as well. But just what we have right now is really hurting the high school kids that's looking to get scholarships
0: let me finish with this terrence i'm curious as your opi- of your opinion given the fact that you are uh you know a former player and you're so connected to that side of the sport a side of the sport that i don't understand we saw todd mcshay on espn tv say something and i don't think it's too strong of a way to describe this is just kind of slanderous against uh, jalen carter saying that, I mean, it, it, we'll, we'll play the audio clip again for people in, in a moment. But over the course of about 45 seconds, he used the word character concern like four times. And there's very little description, explanation of what he means by that. It's just kind of sort of thought of as way business is done in this sort of pre-draft process where players are just trashed all the time. And in some cases, maybe it costs them money or maybe in other cases it just sort of costs cost them a, a ding to their reputation But whatever it is, it just seems really unfair, and I think the Georgia fans are rightly upset about this. What do you make of what, I guess, McShay went on TV and did as it relates to uh, Jalen Carter? What's your take on that as a player?
2: Uh, I think it's – I feel just like everyone else after I saw it. Like, I'm close to the program, and I've never heard a peep about Jalen Carter. Not one person has said anything negative not there every day, so I don't know, but I've seen several teammates come out to defend him and I hope and wish uh, Kirby Smart, once he gets on a national stage um, ESPN, that he calls out uh, he calls out uh, the guy uh, I, his name just escapes me and rightfully so, he don't sure. even need to be talked about because <laughs> that's, just, that's just bad. And I hope uh, Kirby Smart comes out, and I know he will at some point to defend Jalen Carter, but I hope he do it in a national stage where everyone can hear him, just like Jalen Carter was called out about character issues. I, I mean, these mm-hmm. Why? W- what's the point of, of doing that? Like, that's just so bad that and I know he has a job to do, and everyone knows the kids that have had character issues. You've been arrested. It's been It's been out on social media. In this day and age, if you got character issues, it's gonna hit the internet. And to say that and Jalen Carter has not had one heap of character issues to hit the internet is just bad reporting in my opinion.
0: Terrence, great stuff. I appreciate you being here uh, as always. Looking forward to talking to you a lot more as we get closer to Georgia and Ohio State. Thank you for your time. And we're also coming up on that holiday time of year, which means that a lot of these players who are looking to improve themselves going to start doing some work there as well. I'm guessing the Terrence Edwards wide receiver academy going to be pretty busy here coming up in the month of December. I'm guessing.
2: Oh, most definitely. You know, I've, I had opportunity with Milton to go to the to final four. Man, it's a long high school season. So yep. now I'm just. Resting right now, re- rejuvenating myself, like but we will start up in January at the bubble on Mondays and Wednesdays with myself and the renowned Ron Bill, the quarterback coach. We're getting that bubble work in, so anyone's looking to get some uh, training, trying quarterback or receiver, you can hit myself up at Terrence Epples Wide Receiver Academy on all social platforms to inquire about the bubble work and try to improve yourself for the upcoming
0: season. Terrence, great stuff. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. Love Terrence Edwards. Always great stuff with him. Uh, just a great job that he does. You know, each and every day, uh, and each every week here on our program, always, uh, always great stuff with Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Mary Weather. And thought that's really fun. Let me just say one thing really quickly about what we we're talking about a moment ago too, because Terrence, from the perspective of a coach, me from the perspective of a broadcaster, you know, you do see all these high school players who have a dream of playing college football, and you are kind of left to wonder what does this mean for them um when, when uh, unfortunately, so many of the, like the group of five level, FCS level teams are really looking at the transfer portal as the number one way in which they are trying to populate the roster. And by the way, this is something that matters for like the power five level, the SEC level. If if the group of five and the FCS are kind of exclusively looking at transfer portal, what that means is, is that the lion's share of players that are going into the portal, at least the majority of them are kind of dropping down level with the transfer uh pick keep that in mind here when it comes to the to the move there in the transfer portal part of the reason why the group of five and the fcs are so wide open for transfers is because it's the power five level player, it's the sec level player that oftentimes kind of falling down to that next level something to kind of keep in mind there but beyond that here is a number that i wish was tracked and i wish was paid attention to and admittedly i'm probably not smart enough to do this but i hope somebody somewhere is smart enough to do this it's the total number of players on scholarship at the Division I level. That's a number that I think we ought to be aware of. And if that number is going down over the course of years, I think we got to be aware of that too, because what that means is the sport is shrinking. That's not shrinking in popularity. It's not diminishing in interest and attention. But the number one stakeholder here, the players who play the sport, if there are fewer of them getting a chance to do that, then that's the kind of thing we ought to be aware of that ought to to concern us here a bit Uh, and it may not affect the overall bottom line and the degree to which some people only want to talk about the money part of the sport that may not affect the money part of the sport but but the the thing that football does which is kind of become an important change agent to make you know, people into men and make, you know, guys into better men because of their involvement in football. If fewer people are getting the chance to do that, if fewer young men are getting a chance to have, you know, that important change take place in their life, then we got to be aware of that. So I think that's a number we got to track. Maybe somebody somewhere is. With that said, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean and something else that'll make you, uh, I don't know if it'll make you a better man, but it will tell you, <laughs> you to have a better year and that's being on part of a royal caribbean cruise vacation i had a great one last week y'all were kind enough to let me sneak away and i gotta tell you wonder of the seas the ship that i was on now that it's kind of taking its full home there in port canaveral this is going to be a great ship for you to be a part of there too because there's really just so much going on on the ship there's the ultimate abyss now the ultimate abyss is a dry slide there's a lot of water slides there are two great water slides uh, on wonder of the seas there as well but you got the ultimate abyss which is a dry slide and it's like the tallest slide at sea you you literally go to the top of the ship i'm talking about like you're 18 decks in the air something like that 16 17 18 decks in the air and you come sliding all the way down. It's just kind of a fun thing to do. There's a zip line that you can be a part of. There's the flow rider, which is kind of like a wave simulator. So if you know how to surf, you can do that. I don't know how to get up on my feet, but I can get up on my knees and kind of, you know, kind of ride it that way, or really more to more accurately describe, I just sort of lay on it and just kind of do that way. Either way, it's still fun. The point is there's so much fun and entertainment. Onboard board a royal caribbean cruise vacation it's the kind of fun i feel like i sort of need it get re-energized it, it, it's just a blast so i want you to uh check that out and i want you to be on board with us for independence of the seas coming up in april april 24th through the 28th we're going to nassau in the bahamas we're going to perfect day coco Cay. we're gonna have a great time it's all the fun stuff that you normally get on a royal caribbean cruise vacation plus it's a few extra special dog nation events too so find out more about this go to RoyalDogs.com that's royaldogs.com you can also give jessica slater a call jessica's a travel agent specially selected for us by royal caribbean to um to really make this a great cruise and get you well taken care of and all this so give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 you can reach out to her and talk to her here Today. All right. Uh, a couple of things we want to get to here for a moment as it relates to the uh, SEC uh, see through. And one of those things, and obviously this is a sad thing that we knew would have to come here in the aftermath of the uh, passing of uh, Mike Leach. We knew that Mississippi State would at some point in time kind of have to get on to the business of it's still got a football team to manage here, right? And you've still got to move forward with all of that. And so as Coach Leach is remembered, as, as his life is celebrated. We do have some official news here that Zach Arnett, who has been defensive coordinator at Mississippi State, is now going to be Mississippi State head coach. And he was initially named as interim coach, but now he's going to be the full-fledged head head coach of this program. There will not be a coaching search here. It sounds like Arnett's going to get a multi-year deal, and they're going to try to do the best they can in light of this horribly tragic set of circumstances to keep continuity in place. And for what it's worth, and I think Georgia fans themselves would agree with this because we've seen Mississippi State twice now over the course of the last three years there is a level of toughness defensively this program had that could not be ignored that this was a tough team to run the football on there you know was a little bit of an edge to this mississippi state team and so i think arnett gets some of the credit for that and maybe this will end up being a good move i wondered how much they would open up the coaching search on this i probably even wondered if i got like say dan mullen who'd been coach here before You know, as a way of kind of going back to a place that he was already comfortable if something like that might happen that was just that's in a report that was just me kind of thinking out loud I wonder if you know something like that could take place but instead they're going to lean in on a guy they know on a guy that knows the program so Arnett going to become head coach there the interim label going to be taken off of him and he's going to now be Mississippi State head coach that's one piece of news that's out there another piece of news and this is somewhat surprising I would say There had been some chatter that Bobby Petrino, who had been head coach at Missouri State, and you'll remember Missouri State gave Arkansas a big run for its money a little earlier this year. It seemed like Petrino might be on his way to becoming Texas A&M offensive coordinator. For whatever reason, that's not going to happen. Petrino is leaving the head coaching job he has at Missouri State, and he's actually going to become offensive coordinator at UNLV. Barry Odom, the former Arkansas defensive coordinator and Missouri head coach, Was named as UNLV head coach recently, and I guess he's bringing Petrino with him. This is a very odd move here. You don't oftentimes see a lot of head coaches become coordinators willingly. Uh, I guess you do have that with the. uh, the Kent State guy who's moving on to Colorado so it's not unheard of to happen uh, we see that you know Danny this did this a couple of years ago too so it's not unheard of to leave a head coaching job and become an offensive coordinator but it's a little bit odd and in the case of Petrino to do that not for a SEC or power five level position but kind of a group of five level spot at UNLV is also kind of strange too and for all the talk of well gosh Petrino's on his way to Texas A&M well what happened there was this one of those things of petrino because of his past at arkansas just being too embarrassing to hire is this jimbo fisher dragging his feet on making the kind of offensive change that people want him to make is something else going on here a little bit interesting that we talked about petrino on the show the other day possibly becoming offensive coordinator at a and m instead he's becoming offensive coordinator at unlv which sort of seems like a little bit of an outpost even for a guy with a checkered past like petrino has this seems like a little bit of an outpost there it's also not a bad coaching staff, I guess. Uh, you know, I sort of got a little bit sour on uh, Barry Odom as a coach based on the way that Arkansas defense played this year. But nonetheless, I mean, it's a former SEC head coach with another former SEC head coach as his offensive coordinator. So out there in Vegas, they got a pretty deep coaching staff uh, right now. This is a rumor, although I think it's, you know, likely to come true. It seems like Grayson McCall, the former Coastal Carolina quarterback, is going to visit Auburn. And that could be there's been a lot of rumor mill stuff out there relating, you know, connecting McCall to Auburn. And I'll remind you of this. If this does happen, keep in mind here that McCall is a good quarterback. And we've seen what Hugh Freeze can do with quarterbacks before. Think about Malik Willis at Liberty. Malik Willis was a guy at Auburn, ironically, prior, you know, to going out there to to play with uh, Freeze and Lynchburg. This is a guy that was kind of buried on the Auburn depth chart. This was a guy that, um that was not really a factor at all Former Roswell quarterback of course and he goes on to Hugh Freeze at Liberty and starts doing some very big things with the Flames there in that offense so we've seen the success that Freeze can have when it comes to a quarterback and if it's Grayson McCall who ends up going to Auburn I think that immediately makes Auburn more competitive than they've been at any point in time in the Brian Harson era and probably at the, at the end of the uh, Gus Malazan era too you probably have heard me now kind of intimate this a few times and I think some things are happening here at Auburn to make that program more competitive. Uh, I think they've made two good coordinator hires. I think McCall would be a big quarterback add. My guess is that Hugh Free is going to put the recruiting apparatus in place that allows them to have a deeper, more talented roster than they've had over the course of the last few seasons. And it may not be quite enough to get George's attention uh, in the near term, but you better believe that other programs in the SEC are also trying to build themselves up, the likes of Florida, the likes of Tennessee, the likes of South Carolina, the likes of you know teams at that level. I think they should I would add I LSU and Brian Kelly into that mix too for the teams that are trying to build themselves up I think they are going to have to pay attention to what Hugh Freeze is also doing at Auburn I know that Freeze was not the coach that a lot of Auburn folks necessarily wanted but I think when it's all said and done, he may take a big step towards making them more competitive sooner than maybe some people realize. I would say that McCall coming in, if that indeed happens, would certainly be an example of that. We have another in the line of high-profile opt-outs, Jalen Hyatt, the very good Tennessee wide receiver, is not going to be in the Orange Bowl against clemson for tennessee i guess all of this is at this point in time kind of expected uh people talk sometimes about what do you do to incentivize players playing the bowl more uh, the thought here is that the players are afraid of getting hurt in a bowl game and so therefore they sit out and that well maybe the bowls ought to pay him money to play in the game and maybe to a certain extent that's going to happen maybe it will happen it's one of those things though where you, <laughs> i don't even hear anybody else say this so maybe this is just a dumb thing but I honestly believe that most players aren't actually afraid of getting hurt in a bowl game I think the biggest thing is they just don't want to practice over Christmas and I don't mean that negatively because let's face it you know if you have a chance to have a chance to be home for the holidays or go play in some meaningless bowl game get ready for a meaningless bowl game it's easy to understand you'd like to have a little time in your hometown you'd like to eat you know <laughs> you know, grandma was cooking a little bit. If you, if you had a chance to do that, that's what you would want to do. And so I think oftentimes that's uh, that's really more of what's going on with some of these players than just being afraid of suffering some sort of bowl injury. Not that we haven't seen bowl injuries. Occasionally we do. But ultimately, I don't believe that's big of that as big of a fear for these players. as Sometimes it's projected to be. And so if it really is wanting to be about more about wanting to be home for the holidays, I'm not quite so sure how much you know, some sort of financial incentive from the bowl is necessarily going to change that. This just may be the reality that's out there and kind of making peace with that and making the best of the bowls, whatever they are. For the teams that are playing in them, for those of us who are trying to watch them, that's probably the only thing we can do here at this point in time. And then one more SEC through story: Shane Beamer spoke out this week, asked about obviously the transfer situation that his team is dealing with. We talked about Marshawn Lloyd earlier. You've also got the uh, really good tight end who's going to the, the the transfer portal too. And you know what you hear from Beamer is essentially the best he can do. Just once again, I use the phrase "make peace with it." That you're just sort of asked to make peace with this, that it's just a reality. And I would say that for South Carolina right now, it's a pretty disappointing reality that you thought that you had great momentum to conclude the season. And you really did. You had two huge wins. And yet in the aftermath of that, you've also got a couple of huge player losses here trying to hold on to whatever momentum you had. It's not easy being a coach right now. Shane Beamer acknowledged that. In some public statements this week, and I think most coaches in a similar situation would express the same kind of stuff. It's just kind of a challenge right now dealing with all of that, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, let me uh, shift gears here for a moment, because it has been very interesting to watch the explosion of commentary that seems to be going on related to a topic we addressed yesterday. I played you the clip of Todd McShay talking about Jalen Carter. A lot of Georgia fans, I think rightly so, very unhappy with this. Some Georgia players are weighing in too. But as a way of setting all this up, let me first let you hear. This is what Todd McShay, the ESPN draft analyst, said about Jalen Carter that had some folks, most folks, so upset. This is from ESPN TV this week on the Georgia Defensive Star. Here's Todd McShay. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, first of all, Seattle is a little bit better on the perimeter than they are on the inside. And so it's a little bit of need. Here's the deal with Jalen Carter. He has character issues, and the the closer we get to the draft, the more we're going to hear about how some teams are really concerned about it. But with Pete Carroll, he has a history of bringing in guys with that questionable character and making it work. And if you don't, if you're not worried about the character. He's the best defensive player in in the country. Look at the last three games when he came back off the the ankle injury and what he did, just absolutely destroying offensive game plans. I love that player right there with Jaden Daniels. I mean, he has a chance to be one of the special elite interior defensive linemen in in the NFL.
1: And for a team like, like Seattle that's not that concerned about the character issues when it comes to guys
0: because of Pete Carroll's history, it just made sense to me. But listen, if Will Anderson was the pick, I'd love that too some of what uh i'm about to say here i said essentially yesterday so i apologize for repeating myself but i want to make this clear i think a lot of the nfl pre-draft talk is just gross and i think that todd mcshay is the perfect example of that in the span of about 45 seconds he used the word character concerns on Jalen carter like four times and yet at no point in time and i'm not that i'm aware of and uh, at no point in time has mcshay gone into more detail about exactly what he means on this i think most of us who've been around the block a few times we have this sense that, you know, these guys like McShay and there's versions of this that cover the NFL on a regular basis. There are people who cover college football on a regular basis are kind of like this. Once you get to the national level, the NBA is famous for these kinds of guys. Once you get to the national level, the the lifeblood of your career is the access you have to important key decision makers. And the way in which you keep those relationships strong is by essentially parroting whatever they tell you. And whatever ulterior motive that key decision maker may have for feeding information to you, you'd be a fool to question it, your job is to regurgitate it. And that's how you stay the national guy, you're the national guy, because the folks around the league or the folks around the sport reach out to you. And if they stop reaching out to you, then you don't get to be the national guy anymore. So you have to regurgitate whatever claim they make, no matter how Untrue, it might be, and so in a situation like this, a guy like Jalen Carter, I believe. I mean, this is basically slander, right? Because you're saying character concern, character concern, character concern, without giving us any specific detail on exactly what the character concern is. I just think that's completely unfair here. I I, I do, and and Carter's not the first one to deal with this. I I just, I just think it's unfair that if you're going to say this. Uh, you want to be asked to back this up. And we heard uh, Terrence Edwards say something a moment ago that I said yesterday, too, that I hope that the Kirby Smart speaks out on this. I hope that guys like McShay get called out for, you know, the way in which th- this should not be business as usual, just to step up and say whatever you want to about a player because somebody in some NFL front office wants it said. That should not be the case. And good for a couple of Georgia players who've also kind of stepped up on this there as well. Let me show you a little bit of this on the screen. Connor Riley's also got a great story about this at Dog Nation, uh, dot com right now rylan Gody, uh georgia tight end says when it comes to jalen carter what's he like in the locker room you ask one of my favorite guys to be around all around stud as a player and as a friend and teammate let me pause on that just for a moment uh, I'll, I'll get to the uh, other one in a moment let me pause on rylan Gody here for a moment think about this godey is a player who was a pretty big time recruit coming out of high school it's very good tight end And i think that ryan rylan can can be a really good player in college football Unfortunately for Ryland, he is a part of an incredibly deep situation for Georgia tight end. It is sort of comically ridiculous how much tight end depth Georgia has. So a guy like Gody, who I think in a lot of teams could be a very good player, has not really had his chance to do that at UGA. So what does Ryland do? Does he get bitter about that? Does he complain? Does he pout? No. What he does is use whatever fame and sort of cultural currency he has to go on social media and actually defend one of his teammates who is about to be a gazillionaire, who's about to be, you know, uh, go on to have great NFL draft success. You know, Jalen Carter, in a lot of ways, is about to get the stuff that Rylan Godey believes that could have maybe come his way and maybe one day will come his way, but it hasn't happened for him yet at Georgia. And yet, you don't see one ounce of jealousy from Goaty in terms of how he behaves on that he's uh defending jalen carter someone who's going to be well paid and someone who's going to likely live to prove uh todd mcshay wrong and yet godey's still coming to his defense on social media to me that speaks to the bond that exists between the georgia players not just for a guy like carter in this case unfairly maligned we believe but also for a guy like you know godey there as well that there are obviously a lot of players in georgia and they've had different levels of achievement while wearing a georgia uniform but the bond that Kirby Smart speaks about, about, you know, making these guys feel connected together, apparently that really is true. gody speaking out, I think, an example of that. Also, Jackson Meeks towards wide receiver, one to speak in on that, too. He says, uh, he says I don't even entertain uh, what a guy like Todd McShay says about uh, uh, Jalen Carter. He says he's been real since day one. So Jackson Meeks also kind of speaking on this, too. And I guess to me, here's the most frustrating part of this when it comes to a guy like McShay, which is that. It seems fairly obvious that not even he believes what he's saying. In other words, you know, the Georgia players can say, well, this isn't true. The Georgia fans can say, we have no reason to believe this is true. And that's all one thing. But McShea is trashing Carter while simultaneously saying that he's going to be the number two overall pick in the draft. Like, that doesn't make any sense as an opinion. Here's a guy who has character concerns, character concerns, character concerns, but he's going to be the number two overall pick. Like, that just kind of shows you the the ludicrous nature of that opinion, the illogical nature of that opinion that he's trashing him while also saying he's the number two overall pick. So that's why I don't think that McShay is worth being taken seriously here. And that's why I think he ought to be called out on this because not even he seems to believe what he's saying. So the Georgia fans were upset about this. I think they're right to do so. I mean, one final point for me, and this is also something I kind of said on yesterday's show, but I'll say it once again. Jalen Carter had every opportunity not to come back and play for Georgia. He had every opportunity to do that. He was hurt. He was hurt bad. And his draft status was secure. And yet, what has Jalen Carter chosen to do? He has chosen to come back and do work, come back and put in the work. And that's just what he is. He's a hard worker. He's a hard-working football player. And hardworking football players come back and put in the work. They put in the grind. He wants to participate. And what everybody else around Georgia has been saying is kind of putting a number on the wall. He wants to be a part of that. And to me, in a lot of ways that's the only character that matters to me whatsoever about a football player also about the people like you just encounter in your life do you do what is required to do your job are you do are you putting in the work are you doing your job are you showing up every day and doing what needs to be done isn't that what character's sort of supposed to be like whether or not he's like the touchy-feely guy away from the game i don't care about that like do you do your job And it's pretty obvious that he does. And this is why I think that for Georgia fans, they've kind of rallied around Carter the way that they have, because it's fairly obvious that he's shown the most important part of character there is, which is the willingness to kind of show up and put in the work to get the job done. He's done that for UGA, and he is in the midst of getting ready to do that against Ohio State there too. And then one more thing, and I said this yesterday, and I might as well repeat this again too. Even in the midst of trashing him, Todd McShay there says, I've got him being taken ahead of Will Anderson. After all of what has been talked about, oh, Will Anderson this, Will Anderson that. There are a lot of Georgia people, ourselves included, that go into the year saying, hey, don't be surprised if Jalen Carter isn't Georgia's version of Will Anderson in some form or fashion, some way or another. A lot of Alabama fans laughed at that as an idea. They're not laughing now because uh, Carter has proven to be that important for Georgia. Different kind of position. You measure it different from a statistical standpoint. would anybody say Tennessee game and SEC championship game and the games in which Carter's been healthy enough uh, coming back for the Florida game uh, that he's a true impact player and he gets a chance to go out there and show the entire world uh, what he's all about against Ohio State Uh, morons like Todd McShay may try to tell Jalen Carter's story but Carter is actually the guy that gets to tell his own story and he'll do so against Ohio State you will do so in the national championship game we believe after that when it's all said and done uh the true character of Jalen carter we believe is going to be put on full display let me also give a quick shout out here before we get ready to say goodbye to our friends at the durham law group I mean, we talked about some injury stuff a little earlier in the show and of course on our Kroger kickoff prior to each and every georgia game the durham law group brings the injury report to you but it's your own injury that matters to you if you've been hurt in an accident if you've been injured at work, you know when you've had something wrong done to you, you want things to be made right again. That's where our friends at the Durham Law Group can step in to help you because they don't just practice personal injury law; they define it. That means there's no fees, there's no expenses unless you win. They make that promise to you. They don't want to benefit from your situation unless you benefit from the situation that you're in. And your relationship with the Durham Law Group can help you do that. So, give them a call eight four four. 4GA Hurt. That's 844-4GA-Hurt. You can also find them online, georgiahurt.com. That's georgiahurt.com for a lot more on that. So yesterday, we did a go for two and 22 video special. And by the way, a lot of the uh, comments online were sort of shocked by the fact we were, all, we were live, which means I didn't do a good enough job promoting the show. But here's what you need to know we're going to do a lot of these between now and the national championship when news warrants. If Kirby speaks, something happens, we'll be live, go for two and 22, and we'll just kind of cover some of that news, whatever it might be. So yesterday in the aftermath of the Kirby Smart press conference, we went live. And when we do that, we're going to also many times, maybe not every time, but many times we'll invite you to be a part of it. And One of our great friends is a Facebook commenter, typically. Ryan Walker also joins us sometimes for our Zoom calls. And he had said on Facebook the other day, Hey, the next time we go live, I'm going to pop on. I made something special for y'all. Ryan's got a great talent when it comes to making t shirts, things like that. And so I called him out and I said, Hey, Ryan, you said you had something to show us. Do you really have it? And Ryan put it on display. We're going to make this our golden shoe winner for today. How about this amazing t shirt um, where he says, The legacy continues. And you see Larry Muntz in the background and then dog nation in the foreground with myself and Connor Riley and Mike Griffith and Jeff Santel And listen, I want to make this clear. I don't think that my name should ever be mentioned in the same sense as Larry Munson. I certainly don't, but it is certainly an honor to think about the way in which for many, many years, many, many decades, Larry Munson would have narrated the experience of being a Georgia fan. And now I get the awesome privilege and the, my dog nation colleagues along with me, we get the awesome privilege of being a version of that here right now too, that, that's why I love the job that I get to do, because of the Georgia fans I get a chance to interact with. And uh, that's incredibly nice by Ryan. I'm so proud of of that work. And just I just think it's an amazing thing, and I'm overwhelmed by it. So thank you so much. So a well-deserved golden shoe going your way on that. Also, our Gator Hater Countdown, those lousy stinking Gators boy, they got more bad news coming their way 317 days from right now. That is our Gatorator countdown. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, I'm going to have the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We'll take your comments here on Dog Nation Daily at Twitter or in the comment section at dognation.com. Uh, El Trompo Guapo brought up something, and I, I guess we'll probably end up spending some more time on this in the show at some point in time. He says, I think I heard it best from Dog Nation Daily in the podcast that Ohio State had a whole year to get more physical from last year's loss to Michigan. The results were even worse this year than their own house, which is an interesting way of putting that. And we did talk about that on the show a little bit. I guess this is what this kind of leads me to is, is that last year going into the Orange Bowl and Kirby Smart has said that his team had a different level of motivation for that game because they had been questioned so heavily after losing to Alabama in the SEC championship. And that it created what I think the smart has described as a little bit of a unique level of motivation to come out there and absolutely vanquish Michigan. And Georgia rose to that challenge. And against the same opponent, Ohio State, a year later, after what it had heard about losing to Michigan a year ago, was not able to do that. So does that mean then that there is some sort of, I guess, program DNA present at Georgia that Ohio State does not have? I think it's a fair question to ask. And it kind of leads me to This is maybe the first time we've seen this in the Kirby Smart career where it seems like the other coach on the other sideline has less to prove than Kirby. I should say has more to prove than Kirby does. Because up until now, you know, Kirby Smart, and by now I mean up until last year, Kirby Smart had been the coach trying to build Georgia into the program that people think that Georgia could be, or they think that Kirby Smart, you know, could lead. And, you know, Kirby's been the coach in the shadow of Nick Sabe, and it was always Kirby coaching against the more established coach, trying to prove that he was a coach at that level. And then last year, finally, Kirby wins the national championship. In a lot of ways, he sort of joins the club. And now you've got Ryan Day kind of trying to prove that he's also not just the coach that was given the Ohio State job, but the kind of coach who's at the level that Ohio state assumes that its coach should be at and how you respond to criticism, how you answer back on critics is a big way. You show that last year, Georgia got it done against Michigan this year, Ohio state couldn't get it done against Michigan. So now you would assume there's a little bit of a compound interest to some of that criticism. And to me, it does put an incredibly high level of pressure on Ryan day to come out and finally answer for all that in a game of this magnitude against Georgia and if he does then that'll quiet down a lot of that criticism the same way that Kirby did it before. So my point on this is simply to say that one of two things is true. Either Ryan Day really is a total fraud as a coach and people are just now starting to figure that out, or Ohio State is on a similar journey to what Georgia was on last year, which is hearing people say you're not good enough, you can't get it done and going out there and using that as the extra fuel to actually get across the finish line. And we won't find out for sure until December 31st. Obviously, people are weighing in with what they assume the answer that's going to be. But it does set up for a phenomenal storyline for this game. So good stuff there as part of our RS Andrews podcast cooled in. Of course, RS Andrews You can find them online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Uh, they will show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised. The price is promised. If your water heater goes up in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. So find them online at rsandrews.com, and we'll see you back here again tomorrow.